I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3. As you're turning there, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 11 today. We are um, in a, uh, a series in the book of Acts. We've been walking through this book. And so uh, here's the, here's the two-minute catch-up, if you've, if you've missed some of it. Um, we began the book of Acts with Jesus and his disciples. It was after the resurrection, and, um, and Jesus was still there with the disciples. And he told them, it's time for me to go. And, and the disciple says, Lord, is this the time the kingdom's coming? He said, that's not for you to know the time, but you need to do what you need to do. You need to be about my business, and that is you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so Jesus ascends into heaven, and we know that today he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. The disciples are there kind of wondering, staring, watching, and with a little nudging of some angels saying, what you staring at, boys? They decide we need to get to work. And the work at that point was actually to simply come together with the other believers and pray. And the Bible tells us that about 120 believers were gathered together in one place in an upper room on the day of Pentecost. And on that day, the Holy Spirit came upon the church and the people went out and they began to speak and God was uh, doing miraculous things in their midst. They began to speak in languages that they do not, did not know. Or, or another way of saying it is they spoke in their own language, but folks who were there for the season of Pentecost and from all different areas and ethnicities, all different languages, they each heard in their own native tongue the message that was being given. And people were wowed and amazed and other people were skeptical and said, these people are drunk. This is not good stuff. And Peter stood up and said, look, it's not even early enough. In the, I mean, it's, it's not late enough in the day. It's too early for us to be drunk. We're not filled with wine. We're filled with the Spirit. And God's Spirit has done some amazing things. And he begins to lay out the gospel. He begins to tell them that the one that they had rejected was actually God's anointed. He was the cornerstone. He was the one that God had sent. And he preaches this message and the people are convicted, and they say, what must we do? And, and uh, Peter, to these believing Jews who had responded to this message, he told them what they needed to do, and how, that they needed to repent of their sins, they needed to be baptized, they needed to uh, join in on God's work, and they did that, and about 3,000 souls were saved that day. And so, we, we read that, and we kind of we went through a couple, two, took two or three weeks to go through that long Pentecost message, and then we hit that, uh, the end of chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, where we learned about the life of the early church and how they focused on the apostles' teaching and how they focused on prayer and how they focused on coming together and, and spending time together and sell, having the Lord's Supper together. And out of these emphasis, out of these things that they focused on, God continued to add daily to the numbers uh, of, of new believers uh, in, in, in Jerusalem at that time. And so that kind of brings us up to where we are. And chapter 3 is right after we've been given this overview of how people are living and sharing and loving and spreading the gospel and God's blessing. And so in chapter 3, we come to uh, a story about Peter and John as they go to the temple one day. I'm going to ask if you would please stand with me <clears throat> in honor and reverence for the word of God. And follow along, either in your Bible or on the screen, 
of the Scripture, Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so that he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently. Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting a gift. But Peter said, I don't have any money for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankle bones were healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out to Solomon's colonnade, where he was holding tightly to Peter and John. Everyone stood there in awe of the wonderful thing that had happened. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for this uh, marvelous recollection of what you did, of the power uh, that, Father, that you still exercise today in healing and touching lives and bringing people to you and bringing glory to your name. Father, I pray that you would help us to realize that you have a purpose, you have a plan, you have a ministry for each and every one of us. We pray and we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. May you be seated. How do you meet needs in the name of Jesus? It's something we all know we should do, right? We ought to. And yet, we are often overwhelmed by the need that faces us in this world. Uh, Studies have shown that people are more compassionate and more moved by a picture of one starving child than a picture of 20 starving children. Why is that? I believe we are overwhelmed. I believe there is so much need that we shut ourselves off to protect ourselves. And so often we look around and the need is so great in this world that we say, I can't stand it. I can't do it. I can't fix it all. But God has called us to be a light in a very dark world. He has called us to act. He has called us to reach out. How do we do that, though? How do we do that? It's so difficult at times. As we look um, at what Peter and John did, I see a model for us and how we can meet needs in the name of Jesus. So I want us to talk about four things that each of us can do to meet needs in an overwhelmingly needy world as Christians. The first thing that you and I need to do is simply to listen. And I say simply to listen, but it's not always that simple, is it? 
oftentimes people are crying out for help. Perhaps literally, but maybe not literally, but with their actions, with their life. They're calling out for help, and yet people pass them by day after day after day, just like folks passed by this man who sat there uh, on the way to the gate. And maybe some people might have uh, throw, you know, some, some leftover coins. You know, kind of like throwing the, that penny or nickel or dime in the, in the old jar. You know, and you think, one day I'm going to do something with that. We're going to have a vacation. It's going to be 20 years from now. But we'll, we'll get something eventually if we keep, you know, holding on to these pennies, right? And people might tip this man. But by and large, they really didn't much listen to him. If we don't listen to needs, then we're going to miss them. And like I said, we tend to uh, tune people out, often to preserve our own sanity, because we say we can't do it all. There's a story about a Native American and uh, and his friend who were uh, in New York City, in Manhattan, near Times Square. And there, as you could imagine... The horns were honking, tires were squealing, sirens were wailing. Oh, the sound all around them was almost deafening. And these two men were walking along, and the Native American man said, I, uh, <clears throat> I hear a cricket. And his friend said, oh, come on. You don't hear a cricket and all this. And no, no, I, I hear a cricket. And so he walks over to where there's a, a, a planter, and, and he looks, sees a shrub, and he lifts the branches up. And he finds under there that there is a little bitty cricket right there. Right there in the of all this deafening noise. And his friend says, that is absolutely amazing. You must have superhuman hearing to be able to hear that. He said, no, not at all. Oh, come on, you do. You you must be off the amazing hearing. And God said, no, I'll prove that my hearing isn't any better than anybody else's. And so he casually put his hand in his pocket reached in, grabbed a few coins, and let them drop inconspicuously. And he noticed that for a 20-foot radius all around him, with the sirens blaring and the wheels uh, screaming and the sirens going, all this stuff, yet all around him, people turned and looked to see if that were their coins tinkling on the ground. And the man said, you see, it all depends on what you're listening for. And you and I have often tuned out the crickets of this world. Uh, We've tuned out the things that we don't really want to hear. And we're so often uh, tuned in to trivial things that don't really matter. And God is telling us that you and I need to listen. Because there is a world in need all around us. Secondly, if we're going to meet needs in the name of Jesus, we need to look. We need to look. This translation says, Peter and John looked at him intently. Uh, Another translation says, uh, they fixed their gaze upon him. They looked. We have to have the courage to take a good look at people in need. We have to be willing to take a hard look. And to really see what's going on in people's lives. And often we don't want to do that uh, because it takes time. 
And it reminds us of of how much we take for granted when we see people in need and what they don't have and and what they're missing and what their struggles are. All of a sudden, it makes our complaints seem a little bit more mean and petty. It often threatens our values and our views of what's really important. So we'd rather not look at what we see as ugliness. I love the irony here. Here was this man with these almost useless, spindly, knobby, weak legs. And there he was at the gate called Beautiful. And every day at the beautiful gate, people would turn their eyes away from the ugliness. Peter and John looked at this man and they saw the beauty within him because he was created by God. They saw that God could do great things in his life. They saw that they could be vessels, that they could be tools for God to minister and bring glory to himself and change this man's life forever. And so instead of simply walking on by, They looked at this man. They listened, and they looked, and they looked closely. And they probably weren't any more comfortable with that than you and I when we see somebody with a a piece of cardboard and a magic marker sign on it. But they looked. And then third, if you and I are going to meet needs in the name of Jesus, we need to act. Looking and listening are great, but they do not go far enough. It's not enough to say, oh, there's someone in need. Oh, look at how bad off they were. Well, that's a shame. Bless their heart. I hope someone helps them. That's not enough. Christ has called us to act. We could spend the rest of the day coming up with excuses. We could, we could all go around and share our own personal excuses and excuses we've heard from others about why we don't reach out. Guess what? None of us have the money we want to have. None of us have the time we want to have. None of us have the talent we want to have. We'd all like to be more, have more, do more. And yet that's the glory of, that's the, uh, the, the amazing part of how God gets glory because he uses people like me and you who are weak, who are limited, who are frail, who are sinful, and yet by God's grace, he takes us and uses us for his glory to touch a world in need. We're often paralyzed by our perception of weakness. You realize Peter and John could have walked on by dejected because they didn't have any change in their pockets. I don't believe Peter was telling a lie. I don't believe this was a little fib where he said, oh, no, fella, I don't have anything with me. And really, he had a 20 in his pocket. No. He really, literally didn't have anything. And he could have shook, shook his head and said, you know, John, it sure is a shame. I, I shouldn't have stopped for coffee this morning. But, uh, you know, I guess I can't help this guy. Maybe the next time we see him. But instead of focusing on what he didn't have and what he couldn't do, he focused on what he could do. And so he said, silver and gold have I not. I don't have any money for you, fella, but let me give you what I do have. 
In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And a miracle was done because he was willing to do what he could do. And many of us look, look at that verse and we get the exact opposite point. We learn the wrong lesson. We say, boy, I'd help lots of people if I could just reach down and do a miracle like that. That's not the point. The point is do what you can do. Don't worry about what you can't do. They weren't focused on not having money. They were focused on God, do what you want through me. And yes, the need is overwhelming. And yes, it is hard to think about how much can I give because I know things are tight for me this month and I know there's some other people. And all that stuff, we all think about that. We all struggle with that. That's normal. That's human. And in fact, I don't think God minds that those kind of thoughts go through our minds. But what he wants us to do is instead of saying, no, I can't do anything, to simply say, God, whatever I can do through you, whatever you can empower me to do, that's what I'll do. Lord, I know it might not be much, but just like the little boy who brought a little bread, a little fish, and Jesus multiplied that, Jesus can take your little and he can make it much. He can take your weakness and he can create strength. Peter and John were penniless and yet they were able to give this man the most valuable gift that he'd ever received in his life because they were simply willing to do whatever they could do and not worry about what they couldn't. If we're gonna minister in the name of Jesus, we need to listen. We need to look. We need to act. And we need to speak. Peter and John, they, they spoke in terms of, it wasn't at the very end. It wasn't the first time they spoke. They said, hey, look at us. And they said, hey, hey here, let me give you what I can give you. <clears throat> but I'm putting this last in terms of speaking because what Peter and John made sure that they did was to, in their actions, as they had listened, as they had looked, as they acted, they were sure to say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. In Jesus' name, we do this thing for you. And as believers, if we are to be used by God to do all that he wants us to have for us in our lives, we should do everything that we do in the name of Jesus. As we minister, as we give of our time or our talents or our resources, we need to always say, folks, it, this is not about me. It's, oh, you're amazing. No, I, God's amazing. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad to be a part of it, but this is God's work. We need to always throw that disclaimer, if you will, that, that, that note, God is the one that gets the credit. Because the point of doing what God wants us to do is not for people to think that Tim Lee is awesome or Tommy Hall's awesome or anybody else. It's for people to know that God is awesome, that he is great, that he inspires and works regular people. Because, you know, that's what gets people. That's what turns them to Jesus. If you and I go around like, man, I'm, I'm pretty great. I'm pretty awesome. I do amazing things. People see right through that. They know us. We're weak and we're flawed and we fail and we mess up. But when they see awesome things coming through people that they're not all that awesome, 
They say, wow, God must be at work. He must be doing something. And it's just in case they're scratching their heads, just in case they're wondering, or they think maybe we just have lots of money or time to give more than other people, or maybe they just think we were raised in real nice families, or, you know, whatever explanation they come up with, we make sure we give them the right explanation. And that is, this is done in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Might just be that you do whatever you do, and you don't have to give a sermon. You just say, simply say, hey, I wanted you to know that Jesus loves you. I want you to know that I've been so blessed by God, and I'm simply just trying to pass this on to you. Doesn't have to be deep, big, long sermon. Simply giving credit where credit is due. God gets the glory. If we don't speak the name of Jesus, then you and I have taken glory from God who deserves it. And we've missed an opportunity to share the gospel with the world that desperately needs it. So meeting needs in the name of Jesus is about listening, looking, acting, and speaking. Now, folks, that's not all that complicated, is it? I mean, those aren't big, deep theological words. They're words we use every day, and it's just four simple words. Listen, look, act, and speak. This is a message that's not for an elite few of you in here. This is a message that God has given for all of us. We finished Bible school a week ago, and I got the opportunity uh, to, to serve in what's called KidVid Cinema. And what that's, you know, the kids rotate to different places. And what that little station was all about was they'd come in and we'd do some introductory stuff and we'd talk about the Bible verse for the day. And then we'd, we'd show them a video. And the video was not about some guy my age, not about a senior adult, not even about a young adult. It was about a kid. And each day there was a different kid featured in this video. And some of them were as young as four or five. And, and on this particular day, uh, a young girl named Kylie, uh, she was probably a junior high girl when all this stuff started. And the video about her talked about how uh, she went overseas. Uh, she went to Africa on a mission trip. And when she got there, she, you know, she thought, well, this is kind of a, a cool, neat thing to do. My, my church is offering this. And so you know, I'm going to try it out. Figured it'd be a one-time deal. She got over there, and she's trying to help these kids learn how to spell the word ball. B-A-L-L. -L. There was 30 children that she was working with. And as she got to the last child, and they were able to write that word ball, she realized that that child had received the pencil from the person next to him. And in fact, one pencil had been passed from child to child to child all around those 30 kids. And she said, wow, I take for granted. I throw away a ton of pencils every single year because I want new, shinier, brighter ones. And so she went back home that year to her school and she said, guys, can you help me with some pencils that you were going to throw away that you weren't going to use anyway? 
can, can we fill up some backpacks? And, and she went back with dozens upon dozens of backpacks filled with school supplies. And that year, she came across a little schoolhouse that folks had started on, but it was unfinished, and it couldn't be used yet. And she said, this is terrible because in this village, these kids can't go to school if they don't have a building and there's no free education. We need to do something. What can we do? And she said, you know what? I like clothes. Teenage girl, figure that, right? I like clothes. And, uh, you know, I like to shop. And especially at these value places, these thrift shops. What if I talked to my mom and dad and what if we kind of started our own little thrift shop? And they said, we can do that. And so her and her mom and her brother, they started this little store called Kylie's Treasures Thrift Shop. And all year long, they took donations of old clothes, old things, and they went back that next summer, and they built that schoolhouse. And it wasn't easy. One day they had to wait all day long for the load of bricks to arrive by donkey. They sat there waiting and waiting and waiting. It wasn't easy. But this little girl named Kylie did what she could in the name of Jesus. Now, if a junior high girl can do that, what can you do? What can you do in the name of Jesus? I don't know the answer to that. And you might not even know the answer yet. But God knows. And he is waiting for you to be willing, for you to be ready, to be used by him, to minister in the name of Jesus. I want to ask you a very pointed question right now. Are you ready? Are you going to keep passing by the ugliness at the beautiful gate? Go on life as usual. Are you ready to say, Jesus, I want to be used by you. I want to minister in your name. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be all of a sudden. But if you have that heart and if you have that desire, God will find a way. And I want to encourage you today to commit yourself. If you're a Christian, if, if you've experienced what God has done for you, salvation through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Can you take that, what he's done for you, that grace he's given, and let it pour out to others around you? If you don't know Jesus, he's waiting and he's willing for you to know him personally, to have a personal relationship with him by faith. Would you bow with me, please? Father God, we come to you and we realize, Lord, that we, we're so uh, limited in our own power, in our own strength. We're, we're limited by time, we're limited by finances, we're limited by our knowledge, by our health, by our relationships. We're, we're limited in so many ways and if we focused on that, God, we'd never do anything. But God, you've called us to listen, to look, to act, and to speak in your name. Forgive us 
for our excuses. Forgive us for our apathy. And Father, we ask that you would convict us right now, that we would commit ourselves to being used by you to minister in the name of Jesus. Father, bless this time of commitment. God, may you work as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.